School is in session for you as a parent on the podcast. We are going to dive in to talking about your child's education and helping them transition back to school. We're going to talk about advocacy and IEPs and answering frequently asked questions. What you're going to see with this mini series throughout the month of August is we have a mix of new episodes and some replay episodes as well that shared so much goodness around this topic that I want to be sure that you've heard it, especially with so many new listeners on the podcast. So let's dive in. Oh, and P.S. A little behind the scenes, I actually recorded this episode before I came up with the concept of this mini series, School is in Session. Shout out to therapist Sam Marion for the inspiration. But in this episode, I actually referenced two podcast episodes, one with Ashley Barlow about special education rights and another one with autism consultant Molly Johnson. I actually will be doing a remix of the episode with Molly Johnson and a replay of the episode with Ashley Barlow this month. So stay tuned for that, although you're still welcome to go back and listen if you want. Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, and today I'm answering your questions. Anytime you submit questions on my social media, they could end up on this podcast. Let's dive into today's question. Welcome back to this week's Q&A episode, and this question feels so timely as I know a lot of you are gearing up to send your kids back to school, or I know some states already have sent their kids off, so it felt really relevant. So what this means is you might have already made this decision for your child, but I also think this episode will be helpful in continuing to make sure that the educational setting is best for your child. So this was a question submitted on Instagram and this mama was talking about the next big phase for us will be deciding what mainstream schooling option is best for my child. He's so smart and we want to make sure he's in an environment that gives him the right support to thrive. And she goes on to say, I feel like that topic would help so many parents as they age out of state service. Services. So the question becomes public, private, Montessori, homeschool. Do they need an aid? How do you get one if the school doesn't provide one? So let's dive into this. So here's the thing. I want to say this at the top of the episode is I cannot give you the answer what educational environment is going to be best for your child. One, that would take a lot of like clinical recommendations and specificity to understand what your child's strengths are and where they really excel, where they need more areas of support. And so keep that in mind. It is important for you to consider that. But the even bigger reason, obviously can't provide tailored advice here, can't provide clinical advice even, but the bigger aspect of this is I I really want to encourage you that you need to use your gut in this. What is your gut telling you? Because even working with someone like me as a provider, I ultimately like, I want to defer to you because I'm not going to get that same gut intuition that you are. You're the expert. You know your child in and out. I will say I get really clear gut instincts too. And I'm happy to share those if we are working together in a one-on-one capacity. But even if we never do, I want to empower you to listen to what your gut is telling you. And sometimes too, our mind overrides our gut. So really it's actually fascinating. And I've talked a little bit about the woo-woo side of things and also like human design. And as I dive deeper into that, like, 
recognizing our brains actually weren't designed to make decisions. They were designed to take in information and they were designed to be creative. They were designed to be able to process information, but really truly where decisions come from is our internal gut, our body telling us yes or no. So learning to listen to that. So I want to give a quick real life example of this that actually recently came up in my clinical work. So I am working with a family through one-to-one services and And they are in the transition of one nanny has left and they're hiring a new nanny. And the mom said to me, hey, would you be willing to meet with the two final applicants? I was like, absolutely. Because some of it is the way that this is a young child. The way we do early intervention is very naturalistic and embedded into everyday activities which P.S., an episode is finally coming up on that very soon. Within the next few weeks, I'm going to record it right after this one. So a little sneak peek there. But this nanny needs to be willing to be on board. And so that's the thing. I got on these calls, asked questions, and really chatted. And I had my own gut reaction of what would be better. But I also, it's really interesting. I came at it more from, okay, here's pros and cons and chatting through those. But I did say to mom, I said, what does your gut tell you? And I was happy to support her through this process, but she wanted my opinion. But I also wanted to make sure she felt aligned with it because no provider and no education expert or anything like that are going to be able to fully tell you what your gut is telling you. So I think that's a really important part of it. So let's dive into the nuances of this. So if you are in a public education setting, keep in mind that I'm talking within the United States, your child is eligible for an IEP, an Individual Education Program Plan. Episode 25 dives into this even further. Then the other episode, it's episode 12 with autism consultant Molly Johnson. We do talk about visual supports largely, but there's a lot about education in there. So those could be some good resources. So knowing your rights as a parent is that you have the right to ask for an IEP. And one thing that I want to say really explicitly is sometimes parents will get pushback on this of being like, well, no, we'll just go with the 504 plan. If your child has an autism diagnosis, I am going to tell you to push for that IEP. And they might even try to talk you out of being assessed for an IEP, but you have a right to be able to get your child assessed. So make sure you put it in writing. So this looks like emailing either the principal or if there's like a special education coordinator or IEP specialist, put it in writing that you are requesting that your child be evaluated. And they legally have 60 days to respond to that. So that's option number one. You also might look at something like a charter school, which are still going to fall under the umbrella of a public education. Usually those are a lottery system. I do know some charter schools that are a little bit more specialized and able to support the needs of neurodivergent children. And this is something for you to consider as well is also looking at, and I often recommend at least going through the IEP process if you are unsure about what educational setting, because they're going to do in-depth testing, and then they're going to be able to tell you classmate placements and recommendations there. By law, your child has to be in what we call the least restrictive environment, meaning just because they have an autism diagnosis does not mean that they can place them in a special education classroom. 
all day long. So they're going to try to integrate them into general education as much as possible. So that is something to keep in mind. So I think sometimes the data you can get from IEP testing and seeing scores and seeing what the school would be recommending in terms of placement can inform your decision. So on the side of the aid, School districts will greatly vary in this. And I will say more often than not, I am hearing that parents have to really, really advocate for an aid. So it could look like a paraprofessional. And it ultimately depends on what the funding is like for special education in your school district. So some may provide it. You can, you always have the right to ask as a parent, hey, I think my child could really benefit from an aid. Now, keeping in mind that the least restrictive environment also applies here. And so if your child is able to be largely in general education without that additional support, more likely than not, the IEP is not going to recommend an aid. And you also can advocate. So one of the things we talked about in episode 25 with Ashley Barlow, who's a special education attorney, is she talked about come to the meeting prepared, list out why do you think your child would benefit from an aid. The other alternative that you can look at for an aid sometimes is going through different ABA centers. I'd say this is usually if you're having to bring in an aid, the easiest route to be able to get approved and people feel different about ABA. And so I also did an episode on that if you want to dive in further and what the autistic community says the concerns are with ABA. But I would say more often than not, that is the route that if the school isn't providing an aid, that I see an aid coming in and that the school is permitting it. But the school also might reject it. So those are some of the options. Now let's talk about some of the the non-public options. So Montessori, homeschooling, private school. Okay, so I do want to like that certain states have education waivers, meaning that if your child isn't taking advantage of the public school services, that actually you can get this grant that will pay for schools that have a tuition. So Ohio is one of these. And I know this because of working with a family currently, I'm based in Pennsylvania, but they live in Ohio. I I learned all about this. Every time I work with a family in a different state, it's about learning not only the educational system, it's learning what sort of funding you can get, what sort of supports you can get, what that looks like. It's so, so variable state to state. And that's what makes it so hard. I have experience with Pennsylvania schools and could talk on that, but it it might not be relevant. So you do have to do some research, but literally type in like your state grants, like private education or grants to cover tuition, things like that. So just keep in mind that private school, Montessori school, things like that don't necessarily have to be out of reach. Sometimes there's supports and grants that you can apply for. So again, I think ultimately understanding what areas of support your child needs. So big picture recommendation here is I want you before you're making this decision And this will also help you prepare for the IEP meeting should you go that route, but list out what are your child's strengths? What are areas that you really want to help them promote? And they really excel in. That is an important piece of this data. And then what areas do they need more support in? And then when you're interviewing schools, you want to be able to bring these into conversation. For example, can they take into consideration that your child loves 
you know, physically building things and the ability to physically build is how they learn. That's how their brain works. I will tell you a Montessori school is going to be really equipped to do that. It's going to be very child-led and allowing your child to be able to choose educational activities, navigate educational activities that are exciting for them. So what that means is there's a lot less structure typically. And for some autistic kiddos, that's exactly what they need. For other autistic kiddos, they need a lot of structure and they need that routine. They need that predictability. And so that might be a situation where a Montessori setting isn't the best fit for your child. The other thing that I want you to consider as well is does your child have emotion dysregulation and behavioral challenges? Do they have aggression or self-injury? And if you're choosing to go outside of the public school system, do these educators have the background and the knowledge to be able to navigate that? I would also look if you are going, I'm going to call it the private route, whether that's a private school, a Montessori school, that's that sort of route is do the educators have the capacity to be able to support your child in a more individualized way. So I'd look at the ratio in the classroom as well. Keeping in mind with things like private schools and Montessori schools, you can often bring in your own intervention team. So For example, I mentioned an aide, a lot of times they're willing to work with you. I will say I have one patient right now who, granted, this is a daycare setting and not officially a preschool setting, but I have actually trained an undergrad to be his behavioral aid and supporting him in a really naturalistic way. So sometimes there are alternatives and outside outside of the box thinking like this. So that's the big picture. Again, this is why I can't say Montessori is going to be the best fit for your child or not. There's so many factors that come into play. In terms of private school, one of the things to keep in mind with private school is that they might not be able to make as many accommodations and be able to tailor the education as much, depending what type of private school it is. For example, historically, I've seen like religious school settings. They just don't have the capacity. They might not have a special education teacher. So that is something to keep in mind. And it's also important to keep in mind family values. If you really want your child to be educated at a religious school that is in alignment with your your religious beliefs, It's not impossible, but you want to see if the right supports are in place. Additionally, there are private schools that are more like neurodivergent focused or that are more autism specific. And with those autism specific schools, I think it is also important to look at the type of support needs the majority of the kids in that classroom are getting. Are they able to match your child's support needs? And sometimes vice versa too, like If your child needs fewer support needs than the majority of the kids in the class, that might not push them potentially in the way that they need to. So this goes back to that idea of public school setting with the least restrictive environment. We want to be mindful of this too on the private side, even though this isn't like a law on the private school side, but we also want to make sure what I mean by this is that we're not over supporting your child. If the educators there are used to providing a certain level of support and your child doesn't need that support, have that conversation of like, how are you going to be able to meet my child? 
child's needs? Are you going to be able to promote their independence and really help them hone in on what their gifts and talents are? The last one I will touch on is homeschooling. So how do you know if you should homeschool your child? So this is a highly personal decision that I think is important because that is going to put more on you as the parent. Granted, I do think nowadays, especially the post-COVID world, Let's hope we're in that. I'm going to just say it that way. But I think there's a lot more ways to homeschool. Like I've seen families, for example, that hire an educator and that educator is homeschooling in in the family home, but one of the parents aren't, for example. Or there's co-ops where your child can go to this co-op for a couple days a week. I do want you to be mindful of, again, this idea of making sure we want to balance where your child is getting enough support and accommodation, and we don't want to over support them either. Growth happens when any human is challenged. And so we do want to make sure your child is still being challenged. And so that is something as well to keep in mind with something like homeschooling, social interactions might be difficult for your child. And there's so many different ways that your child can get social interaction, right? It doesn't have to be a traditional education setting. And also making sure though, that your child is still getting those areas of challenge in a supportive way if that's one of the areas that their growth zone is. So I do I do recommend as a clinician being mindful that sometimes the public school doesn't work and you pull your child out and then you're able to accommodate all of these needs. But is your child being challenged in the right way? And some of that is learning to navigate different social interactions. And again, so many different ways that you can expose your child to social interaction. So I don't want you to think that school is the only way. I just want you to be mindful that basically we aren't completely removing your child from the areas in which they could grow. And we also don't want to push a child so far that it's like flooding. So I think about this on like an exposure framework, right? If your child is anxious, we do what's called exposure and do it in a really systematic and supportive way. And so this is actually relevant as I'm talking this out loud, school avoidance, right? School avoidance is a form of anxiety. If your child has school avoidance is having a lot of worry about going to school. I have a patient that we worked through this in the school year and the patient kept asking her mom, can I be homeschooled? And the mom and I talked about that's not going to be the most supportive because we're allowing the child to avoid the situation, right? And so we want to systematically expose to that situation and provide supports. I will say this child was okay once she was finally at school. It was getting to school. That was really difficult. And we set up a structure to be able to support her in that way. Or if the parents just went to homeschooling, it's possible that the child might not have gotten growth in those areas. But the opposite is true too. If your child is being like chronically bullied in school, that's not a safe place for them to be learning. Like potentially physically, but I mean more mentally and emotionally. And in order to be able to learn, we have to feel safe. And so this is where we want to make sure we're not pushing kids too far. 
All right. I think that's all for this episode that ended up a little bit longer than I was expecting, but I hope these consideration points can be helpful for you as a parent. And I know I said at the start of the episode, you probably have already made this decision. So what I would recommend is continually checking in. Is this still the best educational setting for my child? And sometimes that means pivoting mid-year. So if you're finding it's not supportive, I'd always recommend starting by talking to the educators, to the admin, all of it of like, how can we provide the most appropriate supports and the intervention strategies to work on certain areas and starting there and seeing if they're willing to collaborate with you, which again, that episode with Molly Johnson, we talk about how do you collaborate with your child's IEP team, for example. So starting there and also realizing that sometimes you do have to pivot and there's no right or wrong education environment for autistic kids. They can thrive in any environment. It's about understanding their unique differences and again, where they really excel. And we want to make sure that the educational system they're in is promoting growth and promoting them to really thrive in those areas. And where do they need more supports? And can the educational system provide that? And what might be right for one autistic child might not be right for another. And ultimately, like I said, at the top of the episode, is it's coming back to your intuition as a parent. All right, y'all, that's a wrap. I will be back next Monday with another episode. So if you haven't hit the subscribe button on this podcast yet, go do it because it will notify you when a new episode is live. Episodes are dropping three times a week now because really, truly this podcast has become my passion project. I absolutely love it. And I will tell you one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is when you all as parents message me or therapists or educators, whoever you are listening to this, and you tell me you listened to an episode and that you found value out of it. So thank you for those of you that are doing that. If you are finding value, let me know. And I will say one of the best ways to let me know would be leaving me a five-star review. This also helps to push it out to other families or share one of my podcast promos or screenshot the podcast and share it on your social media and tag me, but also make sure to send me a DM so I can personally thank you because you have no freaking clue how appreciative I am. And it seriously makes my day. I will say the mama that submitted this question, that is how it came up. And she did say, thank you for all you do for the community. And I, it meant the world to me. It really, really did because that's what I'm here for. I want to be able to provide you the supports you need in order to be able to support your autistic child. All right, y'all, more to come with this mini series of school is in session, including a Q&A episode where I will be answering your questions about the educational system and how to help your autistic child transition back to school. If you have questions after listening to this episode or questions that you've been wondering, Bradley, about autism and education, send me a DM and I will do my best to include your question. Keep in mind, I can't provide any sort of tailored recommendations for your child, but I love being able to educate on this topic especially as kids transition back to school. Bye, y'all.
This episode was meant to be short and sweet. Full-length episodes air every Wednesday with many episodes like this sprinkled in between. So subscribe now so you don't miss the next one. And if you want to inspire a future episode, because that's how we roll over here, ask me a question on any of my social media pages for a chance to have your question featured. Bye, y'all, and I'll see you soon.